Okay, guys, this is the Tips for Lawyers podcast, episode number 13. Today is going to be an interesting day. We're looking at the second part in our uh, two-part series on why people hate lawyers. And today we're going to focus in particular on what we as lawyers can do to start to react to uh, some of the emotions, some of the thoughts, some of the uh, dislikes people have about our profession as a whole. Now, if you haven't had a look at episode 12, I encourage you to have a listen to that first before we get into this one, because that's where we took a look at why particular categories of people don't like lawyers. And I had to talk about what I'm talking about when I say why people hate lawyers. And we look primarily at the two big categories of people, and that was people who have not necessarily had direct exposure or experience to lawyers and have formed their view based on external opinions or third parties. And we also had a look at people who have, in fact, had a bad experience with a lawyer and have formed their view about all lawyers on the basis of that experience. And we're going to delve a bit more today into how to react to each of those, at least in my opinion, and hopefully that will be useful for you. But if you haven't, go and check out episode 12. If you're on iTunes, you should already have it. If you're not on iTunes, you can find it at tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 012. And similarly, you can find today uh, the show notes and anything I refer to and cross-references in tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 013. Now... Before we get into it, if you haven't left a review on iTunes, I've reminded you a couple of times, but if you haven't, you can go to iTunes at tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes. That'll take you to the iTunes link where you can leave a five-star rating and a quick remark. Let me know what you think of things. Let me know what you think of a particular episode. But if you're having uh, a good time listening to the podcast so far, I would really appreciate you leaving some feedback and perhaps sharing the podcast with some of your own contacts or peers so that they can get something out of it too. If you do want to get in contact with me, uh, that's pretty easy. You can go to tipsforlawyers.com and there's a contact page there. Just leave your remarks, leave some comments, ask a question. If you have an idea for the podcast or want me to deal with a particular topic, then I would encourage you to leave that in that way too because a few of the podcast episodes so far and certainly a few of the articles on the website have come out of feedback or queries or questions that have come up from young lawyers or from graduates and Uh, They're things they wanted addressed, and if a couple of people ask, or if the question seems particularly useful, then I'll be happy to turn it into an article or a podcast or something to help deal with that particular question. Uh, In fact, one of the most popular podcasts so far is the podcast on firm culture, and that, in fact, arose out of a particular question that came in uh, from a reader of the website. So please let me know if there's any particular topic you'd like. Go to the contact page leave some results or some remarks or some questions and uh, just let me know what you think. But we'd better get back to hating lawyers because that's what we're here to talk about today. And like I said before, we're going to do it in the two categories that we in fact looked at in the last episode in episode 12. And first, let's have a talk about people who hate lawyers who've never actually had a lawyer, or specifically never had a bad experience with a lawyer. And you recall we spoke about how their views are likely to have been formed. That is, maybe, you know, they saw some uh, expose on a particularly terrible television show where someone was chasing a lawyer down the street and putting a microphone in their face and it was some dodgy character or whatever. Uh, or, or they 
found an article where a lawyer billed someone $2 a page for photocopying and ended up with a $500,000 photocopying bill on a $10,000 matter. These kinds of ridiculous things do happen and people have a tendency to form their views about all lawyers on the basis of that kind of information. And by and large, if you're in the legal industry, what you'll know is that in most cases, those perceptions are not true. I know they're scandalous and I know they're popular, but they are simply not true by and large. And the fact is that most lawyers want to do the best things by their clients and most lawyers want to work well for their clients and give their clients sound advice and charge them appropriate amounts of money and give them realistic expectations. But some people refuse to believe that. And how do I think you should react to people then who have this opinion and you're confronted with this opinion at a family barbecue or something and Uncle Bob comes up to you and says, so I hear you're the scum of the earth, hey, you're some, you're some lawyer character. I don't like lawyers because I had a friend, Joe, who saw an article once in a magazine about a lawyer who'd done the wrong thing by Auntie Beatrice or whatever the example is. Um, my personal view is that you should completely ignore it. And that you shouldn't worry about it in any way, shape or form. Now, I, I know that sounds like a bit of a cop-out, so I'd better explain why I think that's the best approach to take. Now, you can make a joke out of it if you need to. Uh, by and large, most lawyers don't find that kind of stuff that funny. Uh, but if that's the best way to defuse the situation in the immediate circumstance, then by all means do that. But so far as actually getting hung up about it and getting... Uh, distracted by these opinions that are in fact baseless, I don't suggest you bother doing anything about it. And the reason I say that is twofold. First, arguing with someone about this kind of thing is almost certainly not going to work. Now, I know as lawyers we want to latch on to the issue and we want to create a five-step process where we can explain to them in some persuasive way why their view about lawyers is in fact completely incorrect and we can provide them with factual examples or maybe we can give them statistics that you know 99.27% of lawyers are in fact upstanding righteous characters who do the best things by their clients and it's only the small minority that they form their opinion on. But you know, none of that's going to actually change the person's opinion. Uh, it might make you feel a little bit better, but all it's really going to do is result in an argument that's probably not going to actually achieve anything at the end of the day. So the first reason I think you should do nothing is it's not going to achieve anything to argue with the person. And frankly, getting into an argument is just going to distract you, which leads me into the second reason I don't think you should do anything. And that really relates to the issue of what we can in fact, influence. And it's connected with the first one, which is that it's not going to achieve anything. And when you look at the issues of productivity and you read books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, by Covey, and if you haven't read it, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can check it out on Amazon. But uh, there's also any number of other books where similar topics are dealt with in terms of productivity. And one of the big ticket items that they talk about in these kinds of productivity books is knowing what you can in fact influence. Because this comes back not just to productivity, but also to positivity and also to a little bit about your particular happiness and contentment with your station at life, which is to know what you can actually influence. Now, 
Uh, I've read another book not too long ago by Sean Aker called The Happiness Advantage, and he refers to this as the Zorro Circle. So uh, if you haven't uh, seen the movie, uh, then that's not going to be very helpful for you. But the basic premise is this. You need to only concern yourself too much with things that you can, in fact, have an impact upon. And what you cannot have an impact upon is the perception of people who have formed an opinion based on ignorance or hearsay or ridiculous stories because you're not going to change their opinion at the end of the day and getting hung up about it or upset about it or uh, devoting your life to changing people's opinion about the legal profession is almost certainly not going to do anything and we're going to come to what you can actually achieve in a little bit but for the moment the people who have formed their opinions based on essentially nothing or no direct first-hand contact with legal practitioners are not going to have their minds changed by you and you are best served by not in fact wasting your time trying to exert influence over something that you have no influence on because you're just bashing your head against a brick wall to try and do so. So I would strongly suggest that you not get too caught up about it, brush it off, make a joke, go for the water off a duck's back approach in that particular instance, where the particular knowledge of the person is not based on an actual experience. Now, that leads into then our opportunity to deal with people, speak with people, come in contact with people or act for people who have in fact had a negative experience with solicitors. They directly have had a negative experience. And as a result of that, they will be generally very cautious around practitioners. They will be generally very uh, concerned about what is said to them, disclosed to them, provided to them or advised to them. And they will have a tendency to second guess. And you will have uh, initially at least a very uphill battle trying to establish trust and confidence with people who fall into this category. And for today's purposes, I'm going to talk about them primarily as if you've come across them as a client. So it's a client who may have had a previous experience either with your firm or with a previous firm where they weren't entirely happy. There was something that went wrong. Maybe they got billed too much. Maybe they had a dispute about their files. Maybe they got some bad advice. But whatever the actual cause is, you have the job as a legal practitioner now acting for this person of starting to rebuild their trust in you because part of your job and part of your ability to act in the best interests of a particular person is going to be building up their trust in you as a practitioner and it's something that's going to be a lot harder in a circumstance where they've had that previous bad experience and by and large I think what you need to be focused on in those sorts of circumstances is going to be trying to confound their expectations now what do I mean by that they have this expectation in their head they have a perception they've created this image of what this relationship is going to be like and to them it's one of skepticism it's one uh, possibly of information being hidden from them about costs or advice or risk or whatever and they have a natural trepidation about actually putting themselves out there because as yet they don't have trust in you and what you need to do is to start working away at confounding those expectations about how the relationship is going to work. And I think there's a few strategies in particular that are going to build trust better uh, and are going to build trust faster 
for young practitioners, if you have this day-to-day contact with people who you think are having issues uh, getting uh, getting across the line so far as trusting you is concerned, and these are those ways. I haven't got a number of ways. I'm just going to speak generally here. So uh, there's no list. Uh, it's just a general way of approaching this particular form of legal practice where you need to rebuild that trust if it's gone a little bit towards the negative end of the scale. Now, the first thing... I think you need to focus on for people who are in that particular category where they've been burned in the past is under promising and over delivering. Now, I'm sure you've heard this before, uh, and I'm sure you probably aim to do it. And if your legal practice is even vaguely resembling every other legal practice that I've ever seen, the chances are, as much as many people might aspire to it, you probably fail at it just as often. Uh, as you succeed at it. Now, but for people with this kind of issue, I think under-promising and over-delivering is going to have a huge impact on their trust. And you can do that in any number of ways. So the first, obviously, is timeframes. One of the biggest complaints people have about lawyers is timeframes. And that is we don't do things in the time that we said we were going to do them. Now, there's a few reasons for that. First, we have a tendency to cave to pressure. Uh, where someone says they need something really quickly and we say, okay, I'll get it done for you in 24 hours. And then, in fact, we can't get it done in 24 hours because someone else has promised five other people that we'd do something in 24 hours and it's just impossible. So realistic timeframes, far better to promise to deliver something in 48 hours and get it to them in 24 than to promise it in 24 and get it to them in 25 so timeframes, get that right. It is, it is a critical aspect for building trust. But connected with that is uh, contacting the client and keeping them up to date. Again, a very common complaint people have and a way in which you can start to rebuild trust is by ensuring that you are in contact to keep people up to date with their matters so that they know what's going on, so that they understand what the process is, so that they know what the timeframes are and that you're delivering on those timeframes. And just those couple of little steps, I think you'll find will go a long way towards rebuilding trust that people might have lost in the past. Now, in terms of under-promising and over-delivering, the next aspect, of course, you can do that in is in cost. You need to make sure your cost estimates are accurate if you're providing them to a client, and most of you have to, uh, if you're depending on what jurisdiction you're in, chances are where you are, you probably need to give your client an estimate of what costs they're likely to be up for in the matter going forward. So you need to be realistic. And this is not an opportunity to try and say you can do something for less if you simply can't, especially if it's not up to you whether you write off your time or not. Because if you go and give your client a verbal estimate and your partner hasn't okayed it and then all of a sudden the costs end up double and your partner refuses to write it off, then you've got a huge problem on your hands because you need to explain to the client that the costs have blown out. Far better, again, to tell the client that it's going to cost $3,000 and in fact have it cost two, than tell them it's going to cost one and a half and have it cost two. It's a dramatic difference in terms of client expectation and it's a dramatic difference in terms of trust. Because what you're trying to do here with people who do not have an existing high trust relationship with their practitioner is to get into a circumstance where you say something and they believe that you will either do what you've said or do better than what you've said. And that is how you build trust with people over time. Now, it will take time. 
they will be skeptical. But every time you promise something done by a day and you don't deliver it on that day, you are damaging that trust. Similarly with cost, similarly with keeping people up to date. For each of the people for whom you act, the legal matter that you have for them is probably the most important legal matter they have on foot at the time. Now that doesn't necessarily, I know, go for institutional clients who have large numbers of matters or very large matters and very sophisticated uh, approaches to these kinds of things. But for people, uh, the chances are that these are very important matters to them. People in small business, uh, small to medium business even, and they can get very emotionally charged about these things. And so what they want is someone who does what they say. Now, the next way you can build trust with people in these circumstances is to pick up the phone rather than necessarily resorting to email. Now, I understand why we resort to email. Uh, There's any number of reasons, and in fact, I've done an article on it, so I won't repeat myself. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes about not necessarily doing an email. You can go back to email to confirm things, but telephone and face-to-face meetings, if you can get them without inconveniencing everybody too much, are far better at building relationship than email is. Communicate your point by telephone. Just pick up the phone, have a conversation. Most people would prefer to hear things on the telephone. It's faster and they can get the gist of it very quickly. But then you can confirm in an email, even if you've given them the news over the telephone, just so they've got it in black and white. You've said what you need to say in the email if you need to uh, cover off on a couple of technical issues or whatever. But telephone and face-to-face will build that trust and that relationship far faster and will allow you an opportunity to continue to rebuild the trust that they might have lost on the bad, bad experience in the past. So, that's a few ways I think that every young practitioner can get in the habit of doing that's going to ultimately impact upon the trust of someone who's perhaps lost a bit of faith in the legal profession through previous experiences, because the chances are that at least one of those things I've identified was a reason for their loss of faith. Now, there's any number of other things. I mean, if if the advice they got was simply wrong, there's not a lot you can do about that other than making sure you're giving them sound, correct advice. But the other issue that you might want to look at as a young practitioner is just getting to know the client, offering them some time uh, of yours, because at the end of the day, they know time is valuable, but offer them some time and you may not bill them for this time where you just get to understand what it is they're about why they had a particular bad experience, if they've happened to mention it. I know most of the time we don't want to ask because we don't want to spend half a day on the phone hearing about their woes, but you might actually benefit from figuring out what precisely the issue was so you can make sure you don't have that same issue. If it was cost, make sure you are 100% accurate on cost. If it was time, then make sure you're delivering things in a timely fashion, but more importantly, that you're delivering things when you said you'd actually deliver them. So, Find out a little about the client, what drives them, where their motivations are in terms of what they actually expect out of the legal relationship, and that'll take you a long way towards actually being able to rebuild the trust in the relationship. Because bear in mind, if they have had a previous bad experience with lawyers, whether it's with your firm or someone else's firm, the chances are that they only came back to seek legal advice reluctantly. They probably don't want to be there. To them, uh, you are probably a necessary evil at best. Uh, I hate to break that to you, but chances are if they've had a bad experience, a particularly bad experience, then 
they probably have a skeptical view about the need for lawyers in the first place. And your job is to make yourself as close to a trusted advisor as you can in what could be a relatively short space of time. But if you've got an extended matter, then you've got more opportunity to do it. And you can do that through the mechanisms that I've mentioned, but you can also do do that through just getting to know them, getting to know what drives them and getting to know what motivates them on a day-to-day basis because those things will allow you to identify where the hotspots are for them. So that is my suggestions uh, in relation to people who've had bad experiences and also at the start of the episode in relation to people who've had no experience. Uh, I know that ignoring them might not seem the most attractive option, but I thoroughly recommend it uh, for the first category of people. And for the second category of people, just be patient. Arguing with them is not going to do anything. Telling them you are fantastic is not necessarily going to do anything for them or convince them otherwise. What you've got to do uh, for most clients is to start to demonstrate that what you say is what happens uh, and that they can trust you when you give them advice or when you give them timeframes or estimates or whatever the issue may be. So those are my tips for today. Uh, tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 013. If you want some of those links, a couple of the books and a couple of articles that will be relevant to it will be in those show notes. Uh, like I said, I'd invite you uh, to get in touch with me in relation to suggestions for future podcasts or articles or things you might like to hear about or just to say hello. Uh, if you've been listening for a few episodes and enjoying it, then just touch base and say good day. Uh, I'd always like to hear from you and I will in fact respond. The contact page doesn't go to some... Uh, some robot somewhere it does in fact has come to me so uh, touch base but otherwise i'll be talking to you again uh, in the next episode until then be safe stay well be positive and start building trust with your clients